Hello everybody, my name is Jim Sterling, and I have taken control over Legends of the Internet because this show is the absolute shits and Joe Dini is the worst podcaster of all time. And I just needed to tell everybody that, and he has sued me for $70 million dollars. So I've taken it upon myself to not only inherit all of his rights and his assets and pretty much his entire life is in my hands now. So I just want everybody to understand this is now being taken control over by Jim fucking Sterling's son. And I actually brought with me somebody that is very, very new, but he is going to grow into a beast of nature. This is Marcus, ladies and gentlemen, the newest co-host for Legends of the Internet. Well, sir, it's great to be a part of this lovely show. Oh, uh, you bet it is, because I had a feeling that he was not being the SJW that Jodini should be, not allow always putting white people on the show and not offering it up to other ethnicities out there. But now everything is changing. Uh, yes, diversity is so gratifying. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no! Hi everybody. This is Joe Dini here. Uh, that was my bad attempt at a English accent. Yeah, uh, I think it was like I don't know. I was turning into M from Joe. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I got you, bro. I got you. But uh, this, this is a new episode, season four, uh, season five, I should say, episode four. Blah, 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 blah. Get that out, Joe Dini. This is the Jim fucking Sterling episode, a highly requested episode voted by you, the fans. Uh, we got a lot to cover tonight. We got a lot to cover tonight. Um, uh, but I wanted to at least introduce Marcus because he is new to the show and um, a very dedicated, uh, very loyal uh, guy that's uh, been a part of the discord even before this, even before this uh, show or the season started. Uh, he was uh, filling in for Jazzy and Atomic who could not be here tonight because of Thanksgiving weekend. There are still people out there focusing uh, the entire holiday for the next five days. So some of them couldn't make it, but Marcus is filling in our good buddy, Justin, who's now a married man and has a kid. He is going to be joining us in a few minutes. And places to him too, you know. Yes, uh, and I'm going to also acknowledge that on the recorded episode of when we do J Station later this year, or I should say, uh, the first week of next year. But uh, we got Jim Sterling to talk about. So here's the things we're going to go over. We're going to go over his controversial video game reviews, the ones that got him DDoSed. Uh, in particular, his No Man's Sky review and his um, his rating of legends the legend of zelda breath of the wild those are the two biggest ones that got him the most heat uh we'll talk about his wrestling career yes that's right people jim sterling is a professional wrestler and i actually as surprised as you are actually yes justin had no idea that he was a professional wrestler either but i looked up the uh, uh the wrestling promotion that he works for uh, I've seen him in action, and I will go over uh, what he's like when he wrestles, uh, what his persona is like, like what he does and everything. I'll go over all that. Uh, we're also going to be talking about the whole uh, fiasco with Digital Homicide, which uh, is going to be a future Legends episode. And we're also going to 
go over his uh the the Fallout 4 review he did where he talks about polygamy um because that's a thing in the game but those are all the things we, that we got for tonight and then I got my own little uh message at the end of the show so that's what we got for all of you today or this afternoon or tonight or whenever you're listening to us remember we are on podcasts like uh, platforms like Spotify iTunes Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts we're on all the major platforms here. So if you ever need something to listen to when you're on the road, check us out. Just type in Legends of the Internet. Boom, you're there. And before we get started, if there is something, if you would like to donate to the show to help us uh, better improve the show, all you got to do is go to anchor.fm slash Jodini. That's the link you go to. You push the button and you could donate for 99 cents up to 9.99, depending on what your preference is. You have three different options, a dollar, five, or $10. Uh, all the proceeds will be going to uh, us getting better equipment, maybe getting us some better webcams so that you can see our faces, um, and eventually getting a studio so that we can have like a big production studio with some state-of-the-art equipment. All of those uh, donations alongside with our own budgets that we make for ourselves will be doing all of that. But any little bit helps. So that's anchor.fm slash Jodini, and I'll remind you after the show of that as well. So let's get into Jim fucking sterling son we gotta make sure we add the fucking uh, b- before then because you know it's 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 required you know it's oh. pretty much mandatory that you have to say fucking before the, the, his last name yes you have to that because digital homicide actually gave him that and he just ran with it um but we'll talk <laughs> more about that as we get further into this little thing so we might as well get into the Jimquisition channel. The, this the, he's mostly, I mean, he's he's been in a couple of places before, uh, but you know, he was with Destructoid, and then he was with, um, oh God, why am I blanking? I'm blanking. Uh, I'm blanking people. I don't know why I'm blanking, but uh, he was the with escapist. Yeah, the escapist. yeah, the escapist. That I, I was about to say that, and then he was just like, boom, <laughs> with the save comes. Marcus. Alrighty. Um, so he his channel is filled with a bunch of a video game opinion videos. He also does Jim and uh, Jim impressions, which is just his impressions on recent video games that come out. Like he recently did one on Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Um, he talks about Skyrim, he talks about Horizon Zero Dawn, he talks about pretty much any recent video game. And he also goes over some of the politics behind some of the things that happen in the video game industry and even calls out a few reviewers at the same time. Uh, so this guy, I mean, the Jim, uh, first of all, let me describe his outfit that he wears. You'll love this. So he's got one of those fedora hats with a uh, rose-colored glasses. Because you know how the old expression is people like to look in the world in rose-colored glasses. Nostalgia goggles, yeah, or like yes. nostalgia goggles, and then, yeah, yeah, yes, the but these aren't, yeah, these aren't goggles, these are glasses, though. And he's got the and he's got the 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 black shirt with the red tie, and he's got the the gloves on, and he has those medieval masks that they used to wear back in the day. Uh, so that's sort of his his attire, so to speak. And he always stands up on a podium with all of his little uh, figures around the podium as he talks when he's not, when he's, when he's not doing B roll footage and he's just talking to the camera, that's what he usually does. 
Um, and he's even wore that outfit when he was uh, when he debuted in the wrestling promotion that he worked for. So I, I will have to say it is a very unique outfit. It makes him stand out above everything else. And if you want to actually get big in the world of YouTube, you know, you got to do something to make yourself stand out. Yes, you got to wear, you know, don't wear your birthday suit, though. All right. No, don't take that. Don't take that advice too seriously. I don't don't come in there naked. No, no. And for it, I mean, he makes fun of his own weight a lot of times because he's a big guy, kind of so like us. Yeah, yes, but he he totally makes fun of it. But um he also knows that he 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 can he can have sex. Not very good, but he can have sex regardless. Um and he and he explains more about his sexuality, but I'll talk about that as we get closer to the end of the show. Because it sort of ties in with the uh you know being real on the show as we try to be. But we got to talk about the two things that his two, his two most controversial things. By the way, first of all, he did have to defend himself when he talked about Final Fantasy 13. He basically gave the game a four out of ten, which was a very controversial score. And and Dual Shocker actually admitted that when he did that review, he didn't finish the game or any other games when he reviewed it. Uh, and he had to his this is the response he made to the claims of reviewing unfinished games and describing the hostile life of a reviewer. And this is Jim's own words. And I quote, the fact of the matter is this. I don't like shitting on games. Again, very few people in this industry do. And only an insane person would get a positive emotion from negative feelings. We review games because we love them. We love to talk about them. And we love to share a great time with our many readers. It gives me no joy to take a game, sometimes knowing the people who made it on a personal level and provide harsh criticism. Wow. Um, well, I guess I could say that um, that I believe that he that he. I understand that you know sometimes you know you don't get the chance to finish games because a lot of games come out around the same time and you're trying to get to the next game and that's why you know I don't embrace being a game critic or anything. So I get where he's coming from. Yeah. And you got to also too, if you have to wait until the very end of the game to get to the good stuff of a game, probably not a very good game in the first place. It's, it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to do your first impressions on when you play a game. I mean, obviously when you first play a game, like that first hour, you have to have a, an impression on things. That's why he does gym pressions. He doesn't do reviews. He just does. It, it, he just, Jim Pressions is basically his impression of what the game is like when he first plays it. Like that's that's the whole point of what he does. Um, so, um, so yeah, I've, I've seen his I've seen his Jim Pressions and everything, and um, you know a lot of I mean I've seen his actual game reviews, and a lot of them I don't necessarily agree with, and that's going with um, that's going with the No Man's Sky review. I didn't agree with that. Um, Oh, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, I know we're going into that, and I think it was Fallout 4. You're going to be talking about that. Yes. But um, he did, I mean, one of his more recent reviews was We Happy Few. That's literally like the only game I genuinely was with him on. It's when he called it a broken mess, and that's just what it was. <laughs> it, was uh, it was a waste of $50. I'll never get back. Uh. I feel bad for you, man. I hate when you waste money on something that you were really looking forward to, and then it turns out to be shit. Because yeah, the demo was like, was like really, really, like you know, I've seen like all the little like early access demos and everything, 
And um, it looked promising, you know, the the whole concept and everything and story about taking joy. I don't want to turn this to a review of We Happy Few, though. So let's move on. <laughs> but let's let's actually get into his No Man's Sky review. Now, this was actually something that he wrote down on his website, uh, thegymquisition.com. You can look up any of his reviews that he's actually written down. Uh, this So this was actually uploaded on August 10, 2016. So this was fairly recent. So these two DDoS attacks that happened to him, they happened over the course of two years, which was um, which is always not fun. Uh, I don't care who you are. But here's his review of No Man's Sky. I know that you've... I know that you've actually um, seen the review of it, but for those of you that don't know why he got DDoS, this is what he was saying, and I'm going to do it in his voice. Uh, this is a pretty long one, but hopefully if any of you have played No Man's Sky, I'd like you in the comments to actually um, give your opinions of what exactly I'm going to be uh, saying here in his voice. So, No Man's Sky effectively portrays the loneliness of space by providing so little for the player to do that it's tempting to flush oneself out of an airlock just to break the tedium. Not that you can do that. That would be too interesting. After all the hype, all the promises, all the boasting of procedurally generated wonder and dynamic encounters, Hello Games' ambitious spacefaring game is little more than just another crafting and survival experience. More about performing mundane, repetitive tasks than providing unique and exciting encounters. If you're not sick of the hundreds of survival games out there already, then No Man's Sky, with its endless resource collection and irritating inventory management, might be for you. For anybody else, the allure of hopping from planet to planet isn't just that intriguing. Once you've completed a long and dull journey from one world to another, you're going to touch down and basically do what you did everywhere else. The game's biggest feature that no one planet is the same means very little when your interactions on each one are practically identical. Yes, there are dry planets, watery planets, cold planets, stormy planets, but they all adhere to the same simple rules. The major difference being a poison planet and a nuclear planet is the fact you'll get a different logo next to the timer that tells you how long you can stay outside. The animals, mixed and matched quite obviously from a pool of recycled body parts, can be fed to uncover rare materials, but you can't do much beyond that. Aside from the few that are hostile and prone to attack, the animals are just there to look weird. Upon entering a large, dinosaur-like creature, I proceeded to use my shitty jetpack, and boy is it shitty, to ride on its back. I thought that would be fun. Instead, I just fell through its back because it had no solidity. Yes, sir, I'm getting pretty triggered here, you know? <laughs> Already. Like, how long are we into this? How long is this? I think uh, I forgot how long. Oh, uh, there's, there's still more. I mean, uh, we could we could take we could take breaks every now and then if you want to. He's about to get some angry emails. Dude, 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 the guy got DDoSed over this. I know, I know but still. Uh, my disappointing experience with the dinosaur has come to exemplify No Man's Sky's biggest problem. Everything is so obviously fake, so unabashedly Ill illusory. Uh, the universe is devoid of credible, tangible life. For as much as the game promises dynamic adventures, everything is scripted, static, held in place like cardboard cutouts in a fairground ride. 
Sentient aliens met along the way, are never found just wandering the land. They remain stood or sat in place like static quest givers in an MMO without the quests. Every now and then, other starships land nearby, but nothing ever gets out of them. To interact with their pilots, you must interact with the ship, at which point a character model pops up and you can't, and you can have a text-based conversation with a pop-up character model. The world of an average Elder Scrolls game may be far smaller than No Man's Sky's galactic sprawl, but it's inherently more meaningful, vivid, and lively because it actually has stuff to do and people to meet. Oh, so what do you man. what so do you think? Harsh. He's too what harsh on it. It's not that bad. Oh what do you my think, God. Hey, he's pounding it. Um, you leave No Man's Sky alone. Okay. Uh, no Man's Sky is indicative of a big problem the games industry has, conflating the size of a game's world with the quality of its characters. It's yet another game that pushes scale above everything else, but when it comes down to actually playing the thing, sheer landmass doesn't account for much. I simply do not care that I can explore a universe when that universe contains animals of mere window dressing. Life forms that stand affixed to one spot, abridged visual novel confrontations, and an endless need to shoot rocks and trees to continue micromanaging every banal detail of my character. The endless collection of resources needed to refill multiple fuel sources is a total drag, but it's really the best bit of substance the game has to offer. An incented journey from planet to planet, zapping carbon and iron out of plants and stones, so you can journey to more planets in order to zap more plants and stones. This constant feeling of chasing one's own tail for the sheer sake of it is found in many survival games, and it's just as prevalent here. Everything is a chore, everything needs some special sort of fuel source, and there's not enough room to carry it all. You start out slow, unable to sprint for long, with a terrible jetpack, for a modicum of enhanced travel. One's ability can have upgrades crafted for them, but upgrades share the same restricted inventory space as everything else, meaning you need to choose between being able to sprint for an acceptable amount of time or being able to carry more things. This becomes less of a problem when you buy bigger starships to carry more loot, but it remains an annoyance, and it makes the early game an uphill battle against crushing Inui. Man, um, he makes him okay. Uh, let me take off my 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 off my high horse and say that he makes a little bit of valid points about you know the tedium of the game. You know the game is kind of tedious. <sighs> I mean, he I think you know I don't think it's as bad as he's saying. I think he's yeah, like I said, I think he's being way too harsh on the game. You know, I mean, he's not citing you know the fact that the port in the game was supposed to be. Like feeling like you're in a speck of a, in the universe. That was the point of the game. But I digress. Go ahead. All right. Breaking up the enjoyment of feeling your tiny of slowly expandable inventory with materials or frequent attacks from sentinels, robot annoyances that seem to be everywhere and further drive home the uniformity of this allegedly varied universe. Combat with sentinels consists of firing one's mining micro tool and trying to keep focused on them as they buzz around like flies, peppering you with bullets. When a sentinel shows up, you'll be expected to drop everything and deal with them, lest they call for support. Planets with a heavy sentinel presence might as well be called worlds of harassment, since you won't be able to stay up out of your starship for half a minute before one of the little shits shows up. 
Every now and then, elite versions might appear, but they're actually less irritating to fight since they stand still sometimes. The game's subpar FPS mechanics really aren't suited for fast-moving fodder. Guns feel weak, and aiming on the PS4 is sluggish, even with the sensitivity turned up to maximum. Both on land and in space, combat is the absolute lowest point of the game, seemingly included just to make things more gamey. At least they move, though. At least they have them some sort of direct in interactive element, despite being serial tormentors that infuriate with their presence. The robotic murderous sentinels are about the only form of believable life in No Man's Sky universe. And that's really sad. He is right about that. The combat is is very sluggish. Um, it's literally the worst part. It was it has been tweaked ever since the updates came in. But yeah, okay. I mean, you know, I was pretty angry with with the review when I first heard of it, but now hearing it again, I can see what they're saying. I can see what he's saying now. Now compared to to what it is now, yeah. It, it is kind of, <laughs> this is kind of warranted. Okay, so you're pretty much almost, okay, so on two separate points, you've agreed with this guy already. The first yeah. point, the, the first point you didn't, but now these two parts you're seeing it. Now, do you yeah. feel at any point during this that this guy deserved to get DDoSed? No, he does not. Okay. Even if, even if he was harsh on the review, he doesn't deserve, nobody deserves to get DDoSed at all. No. So, I mean, you know, so it's it's an opinion. You know, you can't just DDoS somebody for, you know, making a, a review, a bad review of a game that you like. And this wasn't a bad, really, really, this wasn't even a bad review, you know, ever since the updates came, you know, and compared to how it was before, you know, I, I do see that, yeah, that, there was a lot of problems with it. Yeah, so, okay, so, and there's people in the chat that have pretty much almost agree with this when it's saying, like, it, it, if it if the, the updates needed to happen and it just didn't come to the thing. But he gave the review, he gave the entire game a 5 out of 10, which to him is mediocre. Mediocre? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes, mediocre, like Squidward was saying. But this was the, this was the review that got him DDoSed. He couldn't access uh, oh, his website. I mean, wow, that's uh, that's. I don't know what's wrong with people nowadays, man. I mean, like nowadays, you can't have an opinion, have an unpopular opinion, without you know somebody trying to go go after you or something like that. Oh, you want you want an unpopular opinion? Here's something. Okay, let's get into Breath of the Wild now. With your phone going off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I saw his breath of the wild review. So let me let me let me let me hear this. Okay. So here's the thing though. He actually liked the game. He gave it a seven out of ten. <gasps> that bastard. But here's the thing though. People were upset because his review went 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 from making it a 98 on Metacritic to a 97. Oh yeah, we got we got to DDoS this guy right now. Right, but, he don't, he, yeah. no, 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 Joe. He made the he made the review go down one point, one point. Yes, this had to happen. This had to happen. Uh, okay, I'm joking. But, <laughs> but he, and, and then he actually made a follow up video about it, uh, explaining explaining even further. So, so. Okay. 
Yeah, so hold on. I'm trying to trying to get to the part. Okay. Uh, I just want to say right now, weapon durability systems aren't fun. And if you say they are, I won't call you a liar or a jerk because then I'll get smarmy passive-aggressive comments saying, nice of you to call your audience liars, Jim. I thought you would respect or defend, but you are scientifically wrong as proven by scientists in science experiments who have conclusively proved as evidence fact that weapon durability systems should fuck off out of video games forever and never come back because they're not fun. They're a pain in the ass, and I personally hate them, which is grounds for me presenting this belief as an objective fact rather than a subjective opinion. The last line was a joke again. I know I shouldn't have to point it out, though I realize that Nintendo's more obsessive fans are utterly ironically without any humor. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is the obvious catalyst for this discussion, and while I'll be focusing on this as one of the more egregious examples, it is of course far from the only video game that seems to think there's some merit to pretending swords designed specifically for hitting things break after five minutes of hitting things. Breath of the Sorry, he's definitely got a point there. Yes, uh, I mean, that's, that's kind. Of, that's kind of that, that was my only gripe with Breath of the Wild. After the brief moment I had a switch, is yeah, after like five swings, you know, you know, the, your sword would break, and then like you know, you would have to like quickly try to switch out your sword for another one. You have to just you just basically have just a bunch of swords on your back. So I understand that. I can understand the swords breaking. It was the bow and arrow I didn't understand breaking so easily. Well, you know, when you use a bow and arrow, sometimes the uh, the string can break. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or the mechanism that causes you to pull it back can break. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not an archery expert. I'm just, but, you know, m- m- common sense would make me think, oh, sometimes a string could break and a lot of times the mechanism could break. But that's just me. Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. hi, Justin. <laughs> hey, how's it going, man? Yeah, hey, pretty Justin. good. How's it going? Good, uh, you? Yeah. But he keeps going. Uh, he says, Breath of the Wild is a good game, by the way. It's got lots of plus points. I'll need to point this out in case you think I just, I'm just i hating on Zelda, which I don't. I quite like it, certainly enough to give it a 7 out of 10, which is actually a good score. No matter how hard a person cries about it, since Zelda is the most recent example. And certainly a game that dwells hardcore into the idea. Let's look at how it's handled. Firstly, it's no wonder Hyrule has a constant Ganon problem because they apparently make their swords out of cardboard and spider webs. I'm supposed to believe soldiers in a night fight with these things. And I have to tell you people about how immersive Breath of the Wild is, but few things are as good as snapping me out of the believability of a world with a thick length of fire-forged metal that shatters like glass after it's been hitting a lizard in the face a couple of times. I can suspend my disbelief for a lot of things, but you're talking to a guy who could even watch the movie Prometheus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, okay, that was, I, I have nothing to say to that. Uh, I'm honestly like speechless. Checkmate. <laughs> Checkmate. Uh, Beat but, me, Jim. But after getting into one fucking fight and then receiving a pop-up notification telling me my soul's now as fragile as granddad's brittle dick, I can't say I feel particularly <laughs> of well because that's the that's the thing about weapons. 
durability systems. It's not about them suffering wear and tear over time. It's about them being as hardy as a wet box full of first-run Xbox 360s. It seems... These metaphors, man. I'm like, man, this dude should be a freaking rapper with all these metaphors. Well, I mean, he's he's a professional wrestler. So, I mean, his metaphors go hand in well with those. Damn. It, it seems 90% of the time it's done, it's taken to some ludicrous extreme. In truth, they should be called weapon fragments. Fra- Agility systems, not durability. There's nothing durable about the glorified scrap that counts as weaponry in almost any game that features degradable equipment. Certainly nothing that comes close to realistic. And I know realism is a shitty argument to use in game design topics, but there has to be some fucking grounding. You can't bend the rules of the world so much they break like one of your shitty fucking shields. About the only time I've seen that in weapon durability is say a survival horror game where being underpowered is the entire point. And even then it stretches the imagination. The idea a lead pipe can't survive bashing in more than a couple of skulls is easily countered by the big pile of trash bags in my basement. At any rate, in a Zelda game, let me tell you, there's nothing fun about worrying over my weapon in every single combat encounter, knowing each swing is taking me one step closer to losing it. Certainly not what I play Zelda games to feel. While some have climbed up late game weapons are durable enough for it to not be a problem, I maintain that even some of the more powerful weapons in the game are miserably brittle, able to withstand maybe a handful with enemies before players get nagged incestuously about how their fun with the weapon they might be loving is about to conclude in the most pitiful fashion. Once the weapon embarrassingly shatters, fires only to pause their combat, which is always something you want players to do as a designer, and select new weapons who irreparably damage either that or scrabble for something on the ground, even if it's one of the hundreds of shitty little clubs that will be thrust upon Link right up until the end of the game. Weapon durability in Zelda has been defended as the game forcing you to use variety, which has become the default defense of pretty much any criticism anybody dares have about the latest precious princeling of the video game world. I don't know about you, but rarely do I think being forced to do something is a positive, especially in a game that touts freedom and versatility as big selling points. There's actually nothing versatile about forcing a player to use lots of different weapons that's riggedy, not versatility. It's the opposite. Being versatile would mean offering lots of options and encouraging the player to try them, not railroading and shunting them into it. For me, it's no different than the antagonizing surfed and hunk of meters Reeves rail out in the gym position before being constantly reminded by my game that a weapon I'm enjoying or need is about to break. It's not enjoyable for me. A game harassing me into following proper procedure, ignoring the promise of freedom is more stress than entertainment. You so, know what? This is probably like, you know, the, the most... I, I thought, I thought you know, I agree with the more with my We Happy Few, with this re, Happy Few review. Yeah, I do agree with him more here. I think he's kind of being a little overly negative and kind of, you know, bashing that, but it bashing um that flaw just just a little bit too thick. But I would say um I would say he is right. I mean, that is kind of the 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 weak point of the Zelda games is yeah the the weapons the weapons shattering and everything, and then and then um you know, is forcing you being forced to do things. Yeah. is isn't exactly fun. So that, that could probably, that is probably what, 
brought the game down from like a nine to like a seven out of ten in his book. You know, um, crit- criticism. I mean, you know, it. You know, critics are you know very subjective of how they're they review their games. You know, you got to take what they say with a grain of salt. And well, um, if this got him, you know, DDoX as well, I mean, this it would be absolutely disgusting to hear. Well, it did. That's absolutely disgusting to hear. Yes, and even talks about that in this review that he did. Uh, because wow. apparently, yeah, because apparently, because he was about to go, he was going to talk about the positives in the game, but he's like, I'm not feeling all that charitable anymore. Apparently, Zelda's at least hinged fanatics didn't want to be undone by No Man's Sky's rapid dependency, and they decided to DDoS my website like they did over a seven. A fucking 7 out of 10. A good score for a good game that I said was good and that I liked because it was good. More than that, I'm also currently dealing with multiple attempts to hijack both my website and social media accounts because that's a very reasonable response to detailed criticism of somebody's favorite toy. Reading through the plural clutching whipping of these sad sacks of shit, a lot of them are sobbing openly because apparently Breath of the Wild dropped from a massive 98 average on Metacritic who cares to a dismal pathetic 97 which means nothing which means literally fucking nothing to people who don't live in a world of pathetically low stakes but apparently was the world to the kind of people who think this is a sensible response to somebody liking a video game but not liking a video game as much as you like a video game i'll said what i said to the no man's boys when they were kicking over a much less glowing review Actually, if your game is so great, if the Re- if Breath of the Wild really is the best game of all time, why are you not playing it? Why is crying about a review on the internet by a stranger the more compelling use of your time? I mean, follow me on this one. My little digital homicides. If I'd rather harass a writer in his audience on Twitter, if I'd rather DDoS a website, if I'd rather hammer the dislike button in fevered outrage, well, it sounds like your game is shit. Certainly too mediocre to hold your attention, more than utterly trivial opinions on the internet. It sucks that you think Breath of the Wild is so boring and crap. I mean, I liked it. And according to Reddit, I hate it. So what does that say about your respect for the game and the people who made it? That is how you're behaving. The tantrum that's continuing over 7 out of 10 for Zelda is some of the most undignified crap I've seen from so-called hardcore gamers ever. And that's really, really saying something. Oof. This guy does not play no games. I'll tell you that much. Oh, no, he doesn't. I'm like, man. I'll I'll tell you something, though. Sometimes I don't mind seeing an opposing review just to kind of see, like, you know, does this, you know, review maybe hold some weight to it? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it. I mean, personally, I thought the weapon system was a reasonable complaint. Yeah. But again, that's that's saying too much for people. He's that not, he's, yeah, he's not the only he's not the only critic to to even focus on the we, on a weapons um on a on a you know, the weapons durability. If you've seen Angry Joe's review, I'm mean, Angry Joe spent a good amount of time you know criticizing the weapons um, the weapons of you know durability um, mechanic. So so then why didn't he get doxed? I don't know. I mean. This is just, right, I don't know why. Well, he was, well, he was at the time. That's, That's what I mean, he was. Yeah. But even then, 
I'm, I'm wondering if they're just taking. I'm just, I wonder if they're just people that are just pla- just planning on certain people. Like, okay, we're gonna go attack this guy because he said that. Maybe it's maybe it's Jim's personality. You know, Jim does. I mean, let's say this about Jim. Well, I agree with a lot of the things. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't play the games. I mean, I played Breath of the Wild, and I don't really have a problem with the weapons. But I've never played No Man's Sky, and I don't play most of the games that he reviews. But I respect the fact that he comes out there and says the things. Is that your phone going off, Marcus? That's not my phone. That was that was uh, it switched to do it switched to um the podcast dojo. I'm not placing blame. Not trying to. Yeah, well, on, let me. All for right. some reason, my my Chrome browser was acting up. So here, let me go to sounds and put it on Do Not Disturb. Okay. Yeah, my phone's on sound, buddy. Sorry about that. That's no, all right. All right, we are on Do Not Disturb now. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, um, going back to that, um, his delivery is a is a bit harsh. I, I will say, yeah, his delivery is like way. It's just a bit much, you know, a bit. Well, he's very over the top. I mean, yeah. he's very, he's very over the top about what he says. I mean, he's very. Yeah, and I think people, people are, are like, some people don't like that over the top harsh style. I mean, there's a guy named um, Triple G Man Lives, kind of very similar, except he's just, except he's like very brutal. If he doesn't like like a game, he'll tell you, you know, he he will shut all over. Yeah, and, and that's. And that's the thing too is it, it's the personality behind the person that's saying the message. You can have two people saying the exact same thing, but you can have one person that will like person A because while they may not disagree, that's like okay, he's saying it very, you know, he's saying it very, um, he's saying it in a very pleasant way. But then when you have person B that's just very over the top and outlandish, well, not outlandish. I shouldn't say that person. I shouldn't say Jim's outlandish, but I'd say over the top and you know very very passionate about the the way that he thinks but then again it, it's the personality behind it i don't think people would have any problem with a reviewer that would actually say something in a very pleasant way it's just the way that he comes off it, it people will come uh, come after people it's like well i didn't like your tone well well that's on the person that's on that's on you that's not on the actual reviewer um you know people are going to have their own voices people are going to have their own they're going to have their own style. You can't hate on somebody that has their own voice and their own style. I mean, I, that's why we do. That's why this show is like what this show is. I mean, it, it's a, it's a op ed in a, some case. I mean, we talk about things and then we talk about, it and we go over things that we've gone over and with our own selves. I mean, and that's another thing I should bring up too. Jim Sterling has been, uh, has been accused of saying like he thinks too negative on stuff and he doesn't think positive enough. There should be like an even <coughs> footing on things. Um, but then again, he, he's, he could do his reviews. However, he wants to do his reviews. And people trying to tell him how he should do their own things just to make him just to make themselves emotionally better about things. I don't think you should be going around telling other channels how to do their own shit in anything. I don't go on other people's uh, channels and say, oh, this is the way you should be doing it because I found this unpleasant. Like, no, I'm sorry. People are going to be having their own things and they're going to be doing it their own way. I mean, you can decide to watch it or not watch it or you can decide to listen or not listen. So I know I, I know I put in a little stuff in for later in the show, but I just wanted to say that now since it's irrelevant well, I mean, to what it is. The thing with criticism 
is like to me the criticism has to make sense you know like just i'm not saying i think this or that someone's told me this but just an example like if maybe someone said you know maybe one episode we had too many co-hosts on okay well that's criticism we can work with but if it's just like oh i don't like how you did this well okay then don't watch it yeah but then again, they have to say it, though. I mean, they, they want to keep watching because, I mean, maybe they do like it. Maybe they just don't like that particular thing, but they're still going to watch anyway. Jim, mm-hmm. said some, Jim said something to the effect of, and I believe he said this in his debate with the, the one of the Romain brothers uh, for the digital homicide thing. People, will, passionate fans of his will not care what he says or does. They're just going to follow him anyway because they, they like him personally. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was actually a quote that he was saying, and he, he fully agrees with that. I don't know if he's changed that since, but you know, that was like three years ago. So I don't know if his views have changed. Um, I mean, we can get into, we can get into some of his, um, we can get into some of his views right now um, because his views change a lot. He's been accused of being an SJW, like, like very light. Um, there's some examples. Uh, something that SJW, he said SJW light, like a diet SJW. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like a yeah, he's kind of like an uh, a, a SJW light. He's been accused as such. Um, I mean, his opinions. I mean, his opinions change every so often. I mean, before in the past, he used to have opinions on things, and then he would change them, and then people <laughs> would call him out on it. It's like, oh, well, you said this in the past. It's like, yeah, but you know, this is now. And- opinions change. I mean, yeah, opinions. You know will always change. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, part of life. It's, you can't, you know, go by one ideology, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that I thought, like like my, like, you know, my opinion on this No Man's Sky review, that changed, you know, I I thought, I I was thinking that, you know, he was just being harsh on the game for no reason. I I was, like I said, I was getting triggered. Yeah. as As I listened to the review more and I actually thought about, about um, No Man's Sky before before the patches, um, it was, I mean, there was some problems there, and I wound up agreeing with them. So there we go. Yeah. So I, and people and people get on them's like, oh well, you that was an opinion you had two months ago. Like, like people think like there's a time period of when you can change your opinion on something. Uh, no, you can change your mind at any point. You can. I could believe right now that two plus two is five, and somebody could somebody could actually prove it to me. And if that's true, then I would I would uh, I would say, oh, okay. Then whatever I said is not is not real. Yeah, I, I changed my mind on that. And people think it's an in, and people think it's an insult. It's like, oh, well, you're just going to change your mind like that. I'm like, yes, I can believe the stupidest shit in the world, but I can change it. Um. So I mean I I don't I don't I, I don't and first of all I don't really and I don't really care about his like his politics on things. I know that he I know that he agrees with uh I know I know that there's people that think that he agrees uh about getting doxxed like he's he's all for it. Um but that was but that was something that he was nodding to at a convention. He was up there with somebody and they were saying like look if you're an asshole you deserve to get doxxed or something along those lines. And, you know, you saw Jim nodding like his head and, you know, that didn't actually exactly come from his, his mouth, but, um, people are, you know, people are coming up with the assumption that, you know, he believes that doxing should be a thing, even though 
I, I don't know. It never came out of Jim's mouth, so that's why I didn't want to cover it because it's not exactly something that came out from him. Now, if he were to say that doxing was bad, like him personally, then yeah, then I would disagree with him on that. But I'm not gonna, you know, call a guy an asshole because of that. I mean, the guy's not going out there basing his uh, using those beliefs and turning them into actions. He's not actually doing something that would be, you know, considered bad or whatever. I mean, people have opinions. Yeah. I mean, they, people can have opinions, but a lot of times people with opinions don't usually act on them. If they act on them, then it's a problem. I have a problem with people that take actions based on their beliefs, not that their beliefs themselves. If you do something harmful based upon your actions, then yes, that is something that I take very, very many really issues. Really trying not to tie this into politics now, but, you know. Yeah, but we don't need to. But. I yeah, that's why I didn't want to go over the politics of Jim Sterling because that you know we don't try to talk about politics here. Um, but I just wanted to get that out of the way because I know people were talking to like, well, you should uh, hopefully you talk about stuff from his Kiwi Farms and his ED page. I'm like, well, there's nothing. I mean, it's it's already stuff that I already don't really care about to be honest. So that's why I, that's what I that's what I was getting at with that. So okay. I know you guys didn't know about his wrestling career. No, I did not. I, I, I'm, I'm on pins and needles, ready to, ready to hear that stuff because I really, really want to know. Yeah. How was he as yeah, a wrestler? Okay, so here's how the whole thing started. So back, uh, back last year, he was doing a, a Jimquisition video. He used two seconds of footage from WWE, and he got a copyright strike because of those two seconds. And I believe that it was two seconds of a wrestler by the name of Cody Rhodes who dressed up like Stardust. Um, anybody that's been watching wrestling for the past four years, uh, Cody Rhodes dressed up like his brother Goldust but became known as Stardust and was going around like dressed up in like purple and white makeup and he had like a purple um, – spandex costume and then he was calling himself stardust so he used two seconds footage of cody rhodes of stardust the video was taken down so in response to that jim decided that he was going to buy a purple spandex outfit with the jim inquis jimquisition logo on the front and call himself stardust 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 yeah like like the last four, like the first four letters of his name Oh my goodness. Yes. And he actually revealed this character on a Jimquisition video. He dressed up, uh, he wore the purple spandex. He had the, the white and purple makeup on his face uh, without his hat. And then he actually called out the local wrestling promotion that's based in his hometown of Jackson, Mississippi. Because that's where he lives. So there's a wrestling promotion down there called Pro Wrestling Ego. And... The first time he didn't actually go as Stardust. He actually came out in his Jim Sterling outfit that he usually wears. He interrupted a match and he's going around the audience talking about how pro wrestling ego sucks. And he was speaking like a like a professional wrestler heel manager would do. Like he remind he he reminded me of something like a um like a Paul Heyman or a Jim Cornette or a um Bobby the Brain Heenan. Really good talker. So he could talk the building out. There was fact that once when he came out and he was talking, he was riling up the crowd. The crowd started hating him. And there was one woman that went up to him that was yelling in the crowds like your mom hates you. 
and he was like, "Yes, well, I hate my mom too." So I your 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 thing doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's a pretty good comeback. Yes. It is. I'm going to come back as Stardust, and everybody will see the glory that is Stardust. So uh, it was actually back in March of this year that he debuted as Stardust. He came out, and he met the general manager in the middle of the ring, and he's like, listen, I know that your, I know that your wrestling outfit makes you a little bit overweight there, but trust me, People here in Jackson, Mississippi, love this body. Referring to his own, uh, to referring to his uh, overweightness, and it, it, you can hear the com- you can hear the commentators in the background. Because by the way, they did. Uh, here's the thing that they was like, yes, uh, he, this is Jim Sterling as Stardust. Uh, he has he used to write for the Escapist and Destructoid. He also has his own podcast, but they never mentioned his YouTube channel. But the general manager of the wrestling promotion did. He actually used it as a um, as a jab at him. It's like I, I can't remember the exact line he said. So it's like, oh, so is this? A, so I guess you can call my signing of you a Jimquisition, huh? Oh, let's see what they did there. Yeah. And it's like, so I guess so. I guess that means since you're out here a stir dust, Jim, you're going to wrestle tonight, right? No, actually, I have a very bad back, and plus the Jimquisition logo on my spandex is causing me a serious amount of pain, so I can't wrestle tonight. Which oh, <laughs> that was that was hilarious. Uh, yeah. so, so I actually so for the first night he actually didn't wrestle. He was a manager, and he managed one of the other heel guys. And he was he was doing what a professional wrestling manager does, like um, taking care of the ref, uh, distracting the ref, like uh, talking to his uh, wrestler, trying to get him uh, amped up and all that. And eventually, as months went on, he actually got in the ring and wrestled. Now, here's the thing about Stardust's character right here. The Stardust character actually does not do any moves at all. Anytime he gets in the ring, he'll immediately tag his tag team partner. <laughs> so this is, I gotta watch this. I, I, I seriously gotta get on there, and I gotta get. I gotta give this a look because this this is genius. Why? I mean, dude, if I was a WWE, I'd be like, sign this guy. No, because uh, that was the thing. People were chanting like there was there was some chance. Uh, I there was like this very like a, a passionate guy in the crowd. He was just like doing. He was saying, "Stir dust is gay. Stir dust is gay." <laughs> oh, he was doing that. He's he was like doing all these homo uh, homosexual slurs and being very homoerotic, uh, like very very homophobic. I should say, not homoerotic, being very homophobic. Jim, uh, Jim, when he's in the ring, like I said, he doesn't do a move. Uh, whenever he's about, when he's taunting a wrestler, if the if the if the babyface wrestler is going back, he'll get all scared and he'll just tag the other. Uh, he'll tag his tag team partner to try to get away. I did actually see him do a body slam, though. That's the only move that I've ever seen him do. But this is how ingenious he is, because he took a steel chair, he threw it to the babyface wrestler, and then when the ref came back from the ring, because the ref was outside the ring for some reason, but when the ref came back, you saw Jim on the crowd, like, screaming in agonizing pain. And there's the babyface wrestler, and he's got the chair in his hand. He's like, oh, shit, I'm about to get disqualified. And that's how Jim won the match. <laughs> that is genius. Yes, that, that the, is genius level level writing right there. You know, with the storylines and everything, you know, the scripts. 
they have for the matches. So that was one match, but then he started to form his own faction called the Constellation. So the Constellation is basically him, Stardust, and one of his clients, which is called Ursa Major, which is a constellation up in the in the sky. Uh, it's like the big bear. Um, Ursa Minor is the little bear, but Ursa Major is a, a major constellation. So it was him. He was tag teaming with uh, he was tag teaming with Ursa Major against a, a group uh, another tag team. But one of the other tag team members actually portrayed the babyface guy and join the constellation. Not only that, the babyface's best friend comes in the ring to try to fight off the constellation with a steel chair. The best friend uses the steel chair on the babyface wrestler, then joins the constellation. Wow. So Jim Sterling got two new members of the constellation on his uh, uh, in his faction in one night. It was like a it was like a, it was like a double cross. To the it, point of yeah, for the point of his character, he, he's like brains over bronze. Yes, type guy. Yeah, he's like not known for his wrestling ability, but he's known just to be, you know, cunning and in you know using his wit, outwitting his opponent. Opponent. Yes, and that's what makes him like the number one heel in that entire uh, company because the, it, uh, it's gotten a lot more recognition since Jim's been there. Jim has pretty much brought attention to pro wrestling ego just because of his, just because not only, not only because he's Jim Sterling and he has his own YouTube channel, but this is the way that he's so passionate about playing the Stardust character. I mean, he looks ridiculous in the purple spandex with the makeup. I mean, this is, I mean, it was a joke, but he actually turned this into a very hateable character that the people of Jackson, Mississippi just despise. The fact that you took one of the the most popular babyface wrestlers that the, uh, the 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 town likes, and they did a double portrayal in one night, it caused an uproar. And then at like one of their big shows that they did like a few weeks ago, the stipulation that they had against like this triple threat tag team match was: if the constellation faction loses, then the one of the babyface wrestlers gets five minutes with Jim Sterling. And Jim just got the the shit kicked out of him. I put that in quotes because you know wrestling is uh, choreographed and it's fake. But they basically uh, they basic the guy basically beat the shit out of Jim Sterling. Jim's like, no, please, please don't hurt me. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to do this. Please don't hurt me. Being like the 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 cowardly heel. And then what happens is they do a video where Jim is in his room and he's got all of his video game action figures behind him. He's wearing a he's basically pulling off a Dr. Doom impression, but without the without the voice. So he's like, I I don't blame you for punching me. I don't blame you for getting what was so deserved to me. I applaud you for doing it. I blame about everybody else. I blame the general manager for not stepping in and doing what was right when my jaw was destroyed, when my face got busted wide open. I have to wear bandages on my face and I have to wear this hoodie because I got scars on my head. I blame the referee for not stopping this at any point. And I blame the rabid fans that were chanting one more time, one more time, one more time. I blame everybody else out there. And for everybody, I know there's going to be a battle royal at the show next week and I'm going to be there. The constellation is still alive and strong, but Stardust is going to be dead for a while because unlike Stardust, 
I'm not a very nice person. <clears throat> ow! <laughs> ow! Jesus. <laughs> it's like I, it's like I'm just imagining it, you know, how everything's playing out in my head right now. It's like it's just I really want to see that now. And you also like, said, I'm, not even a pro, I'm not even a pro wrestling fan, by the way. I mean, I haven't watched wrestling since I was like, what, 12? And, I, and I, that may just probably, if, if I see Jim Sterling in spandex, you know, getting the shit kicked out of him and turning his opponent's tag team matches against him, I'm definitely going to be a fan of pro wrestling. <laughs> well, this, uh, uh, as far as I know, he really knows how to work with the crowd. Oh no, he does. Like that, the, these fans were very rabid. I've been, I, I were, I was hearing some of them like chanting, like one more time, one more time. They do not like Stardust in a good way, though. They do not like this guy. They felt because he's like it's the one of, top. It's one of those intentional, playful type hate. It's not that yeah, they... yeah. It's not like they're actually hating on this guy, but um, I mean, he, I mean, he's literally riling up the crowd. He's the number one villain. And he even says that in one of the promos that he did when he was dressed up like Dr. Doom, he's like, I, you're just jealous because when I came into the picture, the whole attention was put on me. You were the golden boy. And yet the golden boy got pushed aside because Stardust came into the picture. And now I'm the top guy here in pro wrestling ego. Man, I mean, yeah, I think this is probably, you know, a gene. This is like a genius character on his part. No, it's genius writing too, because they're because they, this promotion's going along with it. They know exactly what they got there. They know exactly what they got with this guy. They know that because Jim is a very passionate wrestling fan. He's talked a lot about WWE. Um, he has his own show on another wrestling channel. Um, you know, the guy, I mean, the guy just loves wrestling. I've heard him talk about the current state of WWE from back in the summer. Like he's very knowledgeable about it. He's, there was even a moment, there was even a moment when he first debuted where you saw a little smile on his face. He's like, Oh my God, I'm living out my dream of being a wrestler. I mean, now that I think about it, starting a wrestling promotion would sound kind of fun, you know, just. Just trying to write all these stories and trying to like, like find out how to choreograph these matches. Yes, that's, it's not. It's not easy. Like, of course, it's not easy. I mean, you know, it's never that easy. But well, but, if you um, if you find a wrestling promotion in Wisconsin, you should ask. Hey, can I actually help write some of this? I wonder what's in Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, you better, you better, you can always find out. There's, there's a great Wikipedia has a great section of like, uh, in, uh, like, uh, local promotional wrestling organizations that you can go to, um, and see if you can actually, uh, get involved and actually help out with things. I mean, they're always looking for guys that could put up rings, but that's your way of getting in. You always have to, you have to carry bags. That one foot in the door, that one foot in the door. Or you can always be a photographer because they're always looking for like photographers when they're doing wrestling shows. Most definitely. But anyway, that was the whole wrestling thing. I know people don't usually cover it, and Jim doesn't really promote his wrestling stuff all that much. He did it for like the first time that he was debuting, but ever since then, like the his like some of the 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 stir dust videos that happen on that pro wrestling channel, they only get about nine hundred views. 
So it's not like a big jack numbers like he gets for Jim Quisition or Jim Pressions. But, I mean, it's amazing that he doesn't cover it that much. But I think he's trying to separate everything so that it doesn't flood in, so to speak. Um, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, you know, it's basically I'm trying to um, balance everything out. Okay, so let's actually talk about the whole digital homicide thing. Oh, boy. Okay, I know you're excited about this, Marcus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we're actually going to be covering digital homicide later this season, uh, by the way. So, we, huh? Actually, I think I'm on that one, actually. Well, let me check the schedule really quick just to make sure. And yes, you are. Yep. Yeah. So I how funny is it that we're gonna be talking about the Jim Sterling side of things tonight? Most of the most of the digital homicide stuff I'm saving for the actual episode. But uh for those of you that are interested in finding out what happened, so Jim did a an impre did a in a review, a criticism on Slaughtering Grounds, which was the first game that Digital Homicide made. And let's just say when he did that review, the 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 guys over at Digital Homicide, they made a response video. And then Jim did a response video to the response video. And then it eventually led into this whole an hour and a half debate that these guys uh, that the one of the ro uh, one of the guys from Digital Homicide and Jim Sterling himself. I listened to that. I listened to that debate and I got to say, and I'll, I'll discuss more about that whole debate when we do the Digital Homicide thing. But it really just shows how triggered like the guys over at Digital Homicide were because they they claim that Jim Sterling was going after their livelihood that they were uh, being very personal, that Jim was being very personable about the review. Like, if you say bad about our game, you're being personal to us. So, I mean, I mean, the guys practically sued Jim Sterling for about $15 million. They claimed it was for libel, slander, and um, oh, I can't remember what the third charge was. But it, it, ridiculous. And, of course, Jim fought, Jim fought it and won. Among all things, because this whole, this whole thing was just complete bullshit, and, and it really like shows you how low somebody would go who can, for someone who can't take criticism. Yeah. I mean, the fact is, you know, I've seen little footage of the game, and like they were like, and I think somebody pointed out that they were like the blood splatters when you get hit was literally ripped from Google and was poorly cropped onto the screen. Yeah. And, the graphics look. The shooting mechanics just looked completely was just looked completely clunky. I didn't even play the game. Just by looking at it, though, it just looked completely like like hard to control. Yeah. Um, and when I, the, I've seen when the game, I've seen the game just through. chug. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. What was that? Oh, sorry. When did they try to sue him? This was back in 2016 of March. Yeah, I remember this. Okay, because. No, just in a way, it kind of reminds me of that whole thing with uh, H3H3 being sued by Matt Haas, and then the judge basically told Matt Haas, like, hey, that's their opinion of you. Like, they can't do anything. Yeah. Or we can't do anything. Because you got to understand something. Libel and slander 
people misconstrue what those two words mean. I mean, they actually think that because of the, these reviews that happened, like Digital Homicide thought that Jim Sterling's review made them lose business. It wasn't because of their game. It wasn't because of the fact that they had their own personal issues with Steam. It wasn't the fact that people also didn't like it. It was because they thought that he was ruining their business and that they, because libel and slander, I mean, there is some pretty good explanations for some things. Like if a news station goes and does a story about somebody and ultimately causes them, like causes that person harm and they can't, and they can't, and they lose business because of that story, then that, that person has a right to sue the news station for something that was said. Um, it could be considered libel or slander, or if it's something written, if it's done in a written format, then yes, if it's something that does do damage, it does happen. But people tame seem to misconstrue like what the what the terms actually mean. Like it's some it's an opinion on something, but it's the way that you handled it. It's also the way that digital homicide handled it that got them into the situation that they got into. Um, it, there was nothing that there was nothing that there was nothing that they were going to get Jim Sterling on. And the fact that they were trying to get $15 million out of him just says a lot. This is a whole lot. I mean, I, nobody, nobody could ever say that, you know, anything. I mean, I watched his review, Jim Sterling's review of it, and there's nothing that would make me go, Oh yeah, they totally, they were totally not going to go anywhere after this. So I, I'm, I'm sorry. It, 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 the game was the game looked shitty, and uh, according to reviews on Steam, the game was shitty. So, I mean, I I don't I mean I don't know why you're coming after that one critic, who well actually well uh, he explains why, but we're gonna save that entire thing for the digital homicide episode. We're gonna go into more of the debate because I mean I'm not gonna go over it here because I'm just going it from Jim Sterling's side, but. Um, Jim actually, I think like last year finally was able to put the whole digital homicide thing to rest and finally say, yeah, I remember he actually, uh, when he was handed the, um, the, the papers that he was getting sued, he basically just used it as a, uh, he basically just used it as trash. He basically, he, he still keeps it around with him just so that he can have a good laugh at it. But it, it, I, would, I would literally keep that. Like like strung up on my wall. That's the lawsuit <laughs> some some triggered developer gave me because he didn't like the fact that I talk shit about his game. I mean that, that's gonna I, be I on that, that would that be he... Go ahead. Oh sorry, I was gonna say I am glad that um he fought the case just because you know, like who what's to stop them from going after other channels that critique their games? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because because they would have done that. It's just or that Jim Sterling had it. Well, yeah, because well, Jim's got a voice, and he's got a very popular, uh, um, he's got a very popular fan base. So usually, these people like to go after the the big guys. You know, it's it's almost like a David and Goliath situation if you think about it. Because why? I mean, they they wouldn't go after somebody that's like very mediocre and only has like like only one subscriber if they did that i think that would be very that would be even worse but um you know obviously obviously you're going to try to get something out of somebody that has um 
that has a very, very big uh, fan base and has a very big following. But I, I still don't agree with it. But like I said, we'll cover more of Digital Homicide later this season. But it, it was dismissed with prejudice uh, back in February 2017 um, because I mean, obviously uh, Digital Homicide couldn't keep up the lawsuit because they were losing money. They couldn't afford the lawsuit anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it started at $10 million and then they bumped it up to 15 And they added assault as a third charge because they thought they were like, they thought they thought they thought his review was an assault as was well as like, like a verbal like what verbal assault yes a verbal I assault think, i don't think that's against the law buddy well i mean verbal assaults can be but not in the case of a, like what's considered a review it's not like he actually went out and said fuck you digital homicide for making this crappy piece of shit or or he or, or he did or or yo or even threatened them or said anything about them or their family. He didn't go after them at all. He he never once went after the the guys behind it. He just went after the studio, saying that they just made a shitty game. Man. But so, yeah. you definitely you know, it's this is just like a, a very low point. This is like this is like an uh, an all time low for someone like for for like a developer to go. I mean, just deleting. You know, I mean, there, I think there was even like I don't know if we're getting too ahead of ourselves. I know you're going to be mentioning a lot of this in the bit in the homicide episode. Yeah, well, we could save it for that. We could save it for that. Okay. Yeah, we don't need to go into that right now. Yeah, I, that's that's why I went a little bit quiet there because I don't know. I don't want to, you know, mention some things that we're going to mention in that episode. Yeah, but it's important because you know we're taking it from Jim's side. Then we're next time we'll do the whole digital thing. But yeah, I'll get out, and I got a I got a message at the end. So, but we got to talk about Fallout Four because this is when he brought up the his um his uh the fact that he is a he's polyamorous first of all. And he's not he's he doesn't consider himself a straight person, but he applauded he applauded Bethesda for making a game that is very open to characters having polyamorous relationships and not be and not beating and not beating it over your head, like just like just having it as an option. And, you know, that that brought up like an entire discussion uh, from his fans. Like, is it, it is it OK to allow video games to have characters that can be polyamorous or can we have like characters that can be can they're still considered taboo in a lot of ways in social life? And in a sense, I think the polyamorous thing is just like a, a gateway to what's going to be happening in the future, not only in terms of video games, but in society. I mean, science is proving like as we, as we evolve, not in our lifetime, but like a hundred years from now, or maybe even 500 years from now, humans are going to be, um, are going to be more polyamorous than ever. The, the monogamy thing is going to be uh, almost as extinct as a VCR or a DVD player is right now, or VCR or DVD player. Um, I mean, that's just, that's just what the, that's just what the science points to. Uh, but he opened up that discussion and he usually is not open about himself as much as uh, when it comes to stuff like this, but he 
he came out he came out as a polyamorous uh bisexual in a sense so it you know, and people <coughs> commended him for that and they commended and they com um commended him and they com uh they complimented the game for actually doing that before it was even released i mean you have the options i mean if you want to do a monogamous straight person in the game then by all means do it but don't go after um people just because of that because you have that option um so I wanted to sort of bring that into the fold near the end of the show because, you know, it's it, it's a very real and um, a deep conversation. And I didn't want to put it near the beginning when we had all this other stuff to talk about. So um, that's why I brought it up here. Well, uh, I actually I think it's interesting know. to implement more of that into games. I mean, just now that we're being more as a society, we're being more accepted of accepted of those kind of things i think it's good that they're implementing that more into video games hmm. um yeah i guess right what you thinking marcus <laughs> yeah, uh, well i have very um i'm okay I'm, I'm just gonna come out and say it i'm more of a conservative uh views on certain things but yeah i do think that you know that you know in games i mean it's it's pretty harmless i don't see no harm in, in putting polyamory in video games in a video game so let alone an immature one okay yeah see I, I, it's and i don't and yeah, people can say whatever they want on here i don't really i'm not going to hold it against people for having like different different opinions so you don't need to be afraid, Marcus. I know this is your first time, but you don't need to be afraid to say something. <laughs> um, All right, man. Yeah, I'm actually going to say, like, I do, like I said, I do think it's an interesting aspect to add to games. Mm -hmm. um, like, actually, I remember Fire Emblem Fates tried to do that with the marriage system where they said, like, same-sex marriage, but then there's only one option for each gender, so... Which I thought yeah. was like really like you know I thought you know it'd be great you know this is the time for the people that are in the same sex relationships to have the representation and they didn't really do anything with that. Yeah, I think Fallout Four did a much better job with it, considering like there are no limits. Like you can have as many you can have as many friendships or relationships as you want. You can do it with pretty much anybody you want. Um, whereas I think whatever, you know, do whatever you want and do whoever you want. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think in some games uh, there might there might be mechanics built into it, but there might there might be limitations to it. And I think that was like some of the issues that people were having in terms in terms of something that hurts their immersion in a sense. Like if you're coming from a background that's not usually catered to um, what the main audience is for video games. Like if you're not in the 99 percentile of what the the video game is being um, served for and it, it, it's hurting your immersion in a sense. Like, it helps to have an option where you can actually relate to something. And that was that was something that Jim Sterling commend, uh, complimented them for was because of that. And I, the, the fact that I don't know what Fallout 76 is like, I don't know if that uh, still um, caters on to that, but um we gotta it's it's gonna it's gonna be the gateway to how video games are gonna be evolving over the next um 20 30 years from now but we'll we'll see we're gonna have more inclusions and in things and when that happens i know there's gonna be talk of it at first and it's gonna rock some people but 
if it rocks, it rocks. I mean, it goes away after a while. People get more accepting of it as life goes on. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's, that's just... I think as a whole, I think we're already becoming more accepting of it. Yeah. It's just that there's there's just some detractors right now because they're just not on board with it, and they'll say they'll say they'll say anything just to get a, a reaction, um, or they'll just because they don't agree with it, and that's going to go into my main message in the very end. But I did I wanted to know what you guys any more thoughts on it at all? Uh, I don't have any right the second, but okay, fine, all right. No, do I? I mean, you know. Like I said, you know, it's it's harmless. I don't really see any harm in in putting polyamory, putting polyamory, putting uh, polyamorous yeah. relationships in video games. That was good. Get it out, Marcus. Get it out. <laughs> you know what? Before we uh, continue, I say like, yeah, just giving people the option to do either or, I think is great. You know, don't yeah. like force it onto people. If you know what I mean. Yeah. And that was the beauty of it, uh, Fallout uh, 4, was that it wasn't forced upon. It was just something in the background. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, you could do this. But everything else is here. Okay. Well, that, I mean, that's totally harmless, then. Yeah. All right. So we're getting near the end of the show. I might as well say what I want to say here uh, for this uh, for this little end piece. The truth? Yeah. I, uh, I know people out there do not like it when somebody says something um, bad about something that you really like. And I don't know why we get so, I don't know why we get so offended at that. I don't know why that's something that is worth our time to be quite honest with you. I mean, if people have something bad to say about something, I think we should just not just move, move it aside and just move on to more important things like creating your own brands or creating your own content or creating your own things, wasting time on something like that. I don't think is really the, the right way to go. And I know there's people out there that are doing this for emotional reasons because they're very attached to something. And anybody that says otherwise, it, it hurts their comfortability. Uh, I should say it's, or it just makes them uncomfortable, but they like to feel comforted. They like to have the, that, um, they like to have that, uh, to be comfortable. That's always, I mean, we've, we've had it pretty easy throughout most of our life. So as we grew up, you know, we were always taught that, you know, everybody's in agreement on things and we never ever had any problems with people. We never have had any interaction with people that would have disagreements. But then as we get older, we don't know how to react to that because we never had that issue. Or if we did, it, it still resonated with us as kids. And as time grew on, it, it, it it just evolved into this where people are now like trying to detox people or treat DDoS people. They're trying to dox them or they're trying to do swatting or they're doing like all this stuff. Like it, it gets pretty intense. And I'm not saying that most people on here are not extreme. I mean, most of the people that watch the show are not extreme at all. Or in fact, I would say that none of them are extreme. I've never seen anything extreme happen at all with the, with the, with our fan base whatsoever. And I'm happy for that. I think people can understand that while I may not necessarily like agree with everything that people say, like I will take it in stride and I will accept it, but I just may not agree with it. And I don't think that we should be like going after each other because of that. I mean, we all have, we, we can all have healthy relationships and friendships with people, even if we disagree on things. I mean, I have great friends that I have talked to for since childhood 
that we disagree on Star Wars, we disagree on Pokemon, we disagree on like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we disagree on practically everything. But those are the fun parts, having debates like that and going after each other. Not in a bad way, but in a, in a, a loving way. But it, we still call each other. We still talk to each other. We still do all that. We don't. We don't like. We don't go so deep into it with people. And I, it, it gets. It, you see it get worse on the internet, and then you see people react to other people's reactions to things. I so I, I think there's just the point where we just just need to let it go. We we just need to just let things go and move on and go on to doing something that's more that's going to be more relevant to you that's going to be more happy for you that's going to be more beneficial to you because if i see something that i don't agree with with somebody on twitter i'm like okay what am i going to do next for my channel like i'm more i'm more concerned about what goes on with the content on my channel and what the content that i'm trying to put forward for the future then i'm worried about what some people are saying about me or pe other people or what people are saying about other people like I don't. The best thing, the best thing you can do is just take the criticism in stride. I mean, or, yeah. or take the disagreement in stride, and try to find some common ground. You know, if you can't find common ground, and try to find something you you do agree on, and then you know, use that to build your friendship. Yeah, and even then, like sometimes when it comes to comments, like I accept almost every com, the majority of all the comments that get. Uh, that go through the screening process on my channel, I accept all of them, even if it's something that says that's, uh, even if it's something that I don't necessarily agree with their opinion on something, I'll just put it anyway, because I allow people to have their own voices and I don't discourage that whatsoever. And I don't get, and I don't get offended by a lot of things. There's not that many things that offend me whatsoever. I mean, you could pretty much ask anybody. I mean, they would say like I'm probably like the least offended person on the on the face of the planet. Um, I mean, it, it, I I just wish people would be more like that, and I think they will. I think as time goes on, they will. They uh, you can always learn. I know that. Truly, 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 hope you're right. No, I, I I I'm I'm very optimistic about it, and I. I I will as time evolves we evolve you know we we've gone from we've I mean this is how much we've evolved we've we've evolved from actually burning people at the stake we used to do that back in the day we used to have slaves back then I mean we used to think that we used to think the earth was flat we used to think that the earth the sun revolved around us we used to think that like all races could uh, be I mean I'm sorry for interrupting but uh in terms of the Earth being flat, <laughs> no, that's just trolling. Yeah. I I do not firmly believe that people honestly think the world is flat. I think they're just doing it to troll. Well, um, no, well, no, there are people who actually believe the Earth is actually flat, and there's like a bunch of they actually believe the troll. I know I, I believe that that it started as a troll, but I think people actually believed in that. People are actually um, believing in that. Well, I don't. I think it's mostly trolling and attention to be quite honest, because it's been scientifically proven. So anyway, um, I was saying like uh, we, we used to believe that like white men were superior and that no other race can be on the same parallel as us. And in a ways that's changed a lot it, it, immensely. And that's why America is the best country in the world, because we allow that to happen. Um, we've gone through many, many changes in, in mankind and in humankind. We've reached many changes. And I know that as time goes on, 
Um, our thinking is going to change. We're not going to be, we're going to look back and say, Hey, remember when we used to act like this? I mean, a change over time, it, 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 it's going to take a lot of time and people just need to be patient about it. And patience is a virtue. And a lot of times people just don't have the patience to put up with that type of stuff. And that's another thing that uh, go, go alongside when it, when it deals with reviews like that. So if pe people would have been more patient with Jim Sterling stuff, he wouldn't be in the situations. And I'll say this about Jim Sterling. He is somebody that when he, when somebody tries to do an attack on him, he, he, he bites goes, back. Yeah. He bites he back, back and he's not, and he's not afraid to bite back. And I think that's another thing. Courage is a strong thing that we need to consider. We need courage when it comes to this type of shit. We can't just be cowering because somebody's going to be trying to threaten us. Like I don't not, I do not allow that type of stuff to happen when it comes to this channel. I am not going to be like cowering in a corner if somebody tries to go after me whatsoever. I'm going to be on the forefront. And I know that Panda's on my side, even though I don't really usually call Panda for help. But if it ever came to that point, you know, Panda's right there and and most of and most of everybody else is in that is gonna be in the corner and then we're gonna fight it and we're gonna keep this going. And there's nothing that's gonna stop me or stop anybody else on this channel from reaching the point that we wanna reach. Okay. So that is that is ultimately what I wanted to to say. And that's well, every so I was going to say, like, what you were saying, like, when you see a post you don't like, and then the next thing you think about is what you're going to do with the channel. Uh, I heard somebody say once that, like, successful people don't have time to badmouth and slander other people. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, yeah there definitely some people online that I don't particularly care for, but how how is making fun of them and slandering them going to help me in any way? No, it doesn't. And that's something that I'm learning along the way too. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I comment here and there if people have questions or if somebody like says something that I, I I've actually said like, hey, listen, I think you should um, take a look at this. And I even like those comments, even the people that uh, call me out on something, I like it and then I uh, reply to it. But if it's I only reply to it if it's something that I need to reply to. Most of the time, I just let it go because I'm just doing other things for the show. So. Um, now, I'll tell you something. If I can think of something witty to come back, I might. Like, um, I did a video. I ranked all, because Sun and Moon wasn't out at the time, I ranked all six Pokemon generations from worst to best. And someone goes, there's ten mainline games, you dumbass. And I said, I said, um, Sun and Moon wasn't out at the time. Try watching the video with the sound on next time. Oh, and by the way, there's only six generations. Hmm. And then he says, and then he edited his comment. And then I responded with say, oh, I see you edited your comment. Real, real tack, a little classy there. <laughs> like basically just edited to how I corrected him. Yeah. Sometimes you do have to call out people on certain things, but not all the time. Only, only on the uncertain, uh, only on the, uh, on the. Good on you for defending yourself. Tell you that much. Good on. Yeah, you. that's what I'm saying. If I can, if I can think of something witty and tasteful, I'll totally do it. But yeah, you got to bite back. Yeah, and that's that's one of the lessons that I think we need to learn. We need to bite back and just let things go. And if we, then uh, over time, we're going to be a lot more courageous and we're going to be a lot more patient. It's just going to take time, and I think people need to realize that it's not going to happen just like that. You know, that's the beauty of it. The process is like the most fun part of it. 
It, and once you catch it, it's like, okay, now I got to, now I got to do another chase, mm-hmm. but that is uh, everything that I'm going to be covering that we're going to be covering for Jim Sterling tonight. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it next week. We're going to be doing games done quick with uh, one of our other new co-hosts, uh, a miss Anderson. Uh, we're actually going to be also doing a charity. Um, we're going to be doing a charity uh, video for that. The The next legends episode is going to be a charity video and all the proceeds are going to go to doctors without borders. So nice. we're, we're going to be trying to set up that donation thing for the episode. So when we do that, guys, um, we're going to be promoting the, the, the charity uh, stream for legends of the internet next week, next Saturday. And we'll be talking about games done quick at the same time. So it's a donation stream and a legends of the internet episode all in the same thing. Um, the charities, Doctor Borders, like I said, which is a charity that Games Done Quick usually uh, uh, donates to, and we're going to be asking you guys to see if you want to donate to the cause. Um, but we'll we'll see. But uh, until then, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, I want to remind you all: Anchor.fm/slash Jodini if you want to donate to the actual show, if you want to see improvements for the show, like webcams, mics for the co-hosts, uh, a studio for us down here in Florida. Um, we're going to be trying to uh, do a, an entire production studio with some state-of-the-art equipment, but any, any, any little bit helps from you guys. Um, it's not our main source of income, but uh, we have our own. We have our own different uh, incomes that we're going to try to coll- uh, collab with. But any little bit helps. So, uh, like I said, you can donate ninety-nine cents, four ninety-nine, or nine ninety-nine, depending on your preference. That's Anchor.fm/slash Jodini. Hit the donate button, and then boom, there you go. All right, guys, we'll see you next Saturday. I want to thank Justin and Marcus for coming on tonight. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us, man. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. And we'll we'll see you guys next week. Arrivederci, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later.